and welcome to the JNMP podcast. My name is Elizabeth Hyten and I'm joined today by Dr. Mario Maselis and Dr. Sean Udow from the Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre at the University of Toronto. And we're going to be talking about their recent JNMP paper, which is available online now, looking at orthostatic hypertension and cognitive impairment in alpha synucleinopathies. So Sean and Mario, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. Uh, Mario, I might, I might ask you this question. I wonder if you could just give us a general background of what alpha synucleinopathies are, and in particular, what are the sort of associated motor and non-motor features of these disorders? Uh, yes. Alpha synucleinopathies are a related uh, group of disorders that are characterized by the intracellular accumulation of um, alpha synuclein. Um, the alpha synuclein can accumulate um, in brain cells, but also in glial cells, which are the supporting cells of neurons. Um, there are three uh, major uh, kinds of alpha synucleins. There's some rarer versions, but the three most common types are Parkinson's disease, dementia with Lewy bodies, and multiple system atrophy. And uh, these diseases are characterized uh, not only by motor features such as Parkinsonism, uh, but also by uh, non-motor features, which include cognitive deficits, um, neuropsychiatric features and um, autonomic features. The cognitive deficits that can be seen in alpha-synucleinopathies um, across all of them include uh, symptoms such as fluctuations in a patient's attention and alertness. Um, it can also include um, uh, troubles with navigation, visual-spatial functions, and also troubles with memory. Um, those are the prominent uh, cognitive features that can be seen, um, but there can be others. Um, in terms of uh, autonomic features that can be seen, orthostatic hypotension, which is a drop in blood pressure when uh, the patient stands up too quickly, um, it, it can um, uh, produce symptoms such as dizziness, lightheadedness, which can be very detrimental for a patient because they could pass out and lose consciousness um, as a result of that. So Sean, I wondered, your paper mentions about the sort of autonomic features such as orthostatic hypertension and the fact there may be a relationship between this and cognitive impairment in these neurodegenerative diseases. Could you walk us through the evidence for this relationship, um, inclusive of, I suppose, what your review also, also added to the literature? Absolutely. So first of all, uh, when working with Dr. Maselli's we were noticing that clinically our patients with Parkinson's disease, dementia with Lewy bodies, and multiple system atrophy uh, who tended to have these cognitive fluctuations, so times when their level of alertness or mental status would be much lower, um, also tended to have fluctuations in their blood pressure. Uh, so they would have drops in their blood pressure on standing up, so orthostatic hypotension. From there, uh, we decided to do this review, and our results, results found uh, that 22 studies in the literature either directly or indirectly looked for a relationship between orthostatic hypotension and cognitive impairment in these alpha-synucleinopathies. Of these 22 studies, 14 of them showed that there was, in fact, a relationship between orthostatic hypotension and cognitive impairment, um, and the other eight showed that there wasn't any evidence of a relationship. Uh, it's important to note that 
all of these studies were very heterogeneous. So they had different patient populations. Some looked at Parkinson's disease, uh, some looked at Lewy body disease, uh, sorry, Lewy body, dementia with Lewy bodies, and others looked at multiple system atrophy or mixes. Um, and the, also all of these studies had different designs and different methodologies and also different ways of measuring both the drops in the blood pressure and the cognitive uh, profiles. I mean, your paper not only explores this association and, and finds evidence for quite a um, quite strong evidence for a rela- potential relationship between orthostatic hypertension and cognitive impairment, but your paper also then goes on to propose two alternate explanations for this association. Um, would you be able to briefly summarise those two for us? Yes. Yeah, so we came we came up with two uh, theories uh, that are supported by the literature for the reasons behind this association. So the first theory is the diffuse neuropathology theory which basically um, posits that the diffuse um, neurodegeneration and alpha-synuclein deposition in multiple different brain areas leads to a more diffuse Parkinson's disease phenotype. So basically, more disease in the brain leads to more symptoms um, and more problems in patients with with these alpha-synucleinopathies, and thus the clustering together of orthostatic hypotension and, uh, and cognitive impairment. And the other, the other theory is the cerebral hypoperfusion theory, where um, we wonder if low blood pressure, both chronic low blood pressure and transient uh, drops in cerebral blood pressure, uh, cerebral blood flow contribute directly to cognitive impairment. So on one hand, when patients have transient drops in their blood pressure and therefore have lower cerebral blood flow, um, it's possible that they have worse uh, cognition. Um, because of low blood flow to the brain, and this may underlie some of the cognitive fluctuations that we are seeing in clinic. And in fact, when we treat these patients with medications that raise up their blood pressure, some of those cognitive fluctuations can actually improve. And on the other hand, when patients have chronically low blood pressure, um, this is likely very uh, just very bad for the brain in a, in a way that chronically high blood pressure can be. Chronically low blood pressure can uh, potentially contribute to the development of uh, white matter disease um, and even increase uh, the rate of neurodegeneration. So Mario, I mean, thinking about that and those, those two alternate explanations, obviously um, it'd be interesting if you could currently treat orthostatic hypertension um, to potentially reduce the, the associated or potential associated cognitive impairment. So I wondered whether that was something that could easily be currently treated um, and I suppose whether there was scope for sort of novel therapeutic agents in this field. Um, yes. So in terms of uh, treating orthostatic hypotension, um, I think it's first important that it is identified and it's not always something that uh, patients report, especially when they have a certain degree of cognitive impairment. So as a physician, uh, you have to have a low sensitivity for checking uh, the drops in blood pressure or orthostatic vital signs um, in your office. Um, one uh, measure, that, one thing that we like to tell our patients and their caregivers is actually measure, do proper orthostatic uh, vitals at home and collect the information over the week because a point of care measurement in your office may miss a drop in blood pressure. And so I find that it's very useful to have patients and their caregivers uh, do these measurements at home um, and then uh, report them back to us so that we can actually see if there's a significant drop in blood pressure. Now, in terms of managing the blood pressure, once you've identified that the blood pressure Um, there are drops in blood pressure withstanding, Um, we first start off by uh, using conservative methods. And this is uh, things such as um, 
asking the patient to increase their salt intake, and that can increase their intravascular volume and help with uh, the the drops in the blood pressure when they stand. Other conservative uh, measures include uh, wearing uh, compression stockings, which help to return uh, venous flow from the legs back up to the heart. Um, and that also um, helps to uh, make sure that um, that it helps with the orthostatic uh, blood pressure drops as well. Um, and then other measures such as putting the head of the bed up on blocks uh, can also help uh, to, uh, to, to, to increase blood pressure um, while patients are sleeping. Um, so those are some measures that are conservative measures, and we always start with those first. Um, however, in more severe cases, we do have a variety of different medications that can be used to uh, increase the blood pressure, and they're quite effective um, in terms of increasing the blood pressure um, and, and, and it, such that there aren't dangerous drops when patients stand up. The, uh, the one uh, problem, though, with this approach is that it leads to supine hypertension. So when patients are lying down, their blood pressure can often get, go up to very high levels. And, uh, and so um, you introduce another problem um, that can um, also be detrimental for patients. And so there's this balance between how low a blood pressure we tolerate when they stand and how high a blood pressure we tolerate while they're lying down. Um, so the drugs are far from optimal. Um, they can work and we, we've identified you know, people that have individually responded. There have been no proper clinical trials done to date that have shown that increasing blood pressure will improve cognition. Most of this has come from observations of, in our clinic and, and, and other people's clinics as well, other doctors' clinics as well. Um, but I think that um, it, it does pose a, a, a question that can be asked by a proper clinical trial. Um, in terms of a novel drug development, ideally it would be great to have a drug that can uh, target the low blood pressure without uh, causing the supine hypertension. Uh, but to my knowledge, that uh, drug doesn't exist at this point. I, I think it's important to say that this study um, was a systematic review of the literature um, and so while there is evidence to support um, that there is a link between the two of them, um, that there is a need to do uh, proper longitudinal studies that follow patients over time to see if this association holds. Um, and then there's also, as I mentioned before, um, it's, it's, it's important to do clinical trials to see if we can improve both the blood pressure and then that secondarily improves the cognition. Well, thank you both so much for your time today. Um, I really appreciate you joining me on the JNMP podcast. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much. So that was Dr. Mario Marcellus and Dr. Sean Udow from the Sunnybrook Health Centre at the University of Toronto. And they were talking about their recent JNMP review, which is available now online at jnmp.bmj.com. And this was the JNMP podcast. And thank you so much for listening.